as we'll do it for people. Um, I do wish that revival would break out. I mean, I, I, would, I wish, I pray, I hope. I do all of those kinds of things. I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, folks, I mean, you know, I ride my bicycle, you know, how, what I do on uh, each day. And um, I, I, I'm going to tell you what my observations are. My observation is that most people obey the law. If you didn't, think how bad it would be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Most people obey the law. Uh, but, uh, and, and what, what I'm saying is, is that I ride my bicycle early in the morning. This morning I was out uh, between 5.30 and 6. I was here uh, before 6 this morning. It's dark. But you can still see people and you can still see what they're going to do. And um, most people stop at the red lights. When I say that, there's nobody else around. Do you understand? And so I say most people stop at the red lights. Uh, but the, I've found that at least since COVID, and this could be in my imagination, so this is not scientific. I can't tell you that. But since COVID, I think more of them are running the red lights than they were before. I mean, it just appears to me that I see it. And I have to be very, very careful crossing the road because when I'm crossing the road, uh, that person may not, may or may not stop at that red light. So I have to be very careful with them. Uh, I see more and more, uh, or more, I should say, less and less people using their direction signal. And I feel like I ought to give them instructions. That, that thing on the left there, if you push it down, it means you're going to turn left. If you push it up, it means you're going to turn right. I don't know if they know that. And so, uh, and then uh, the other thing that I see uh, very, very commonly, uh, and it's been coming for a, a long time, people do not stop stop and then turn right on a, on a red light. They blow through those red lights. I mean, I'm telling you what, and I have to be very, very careful there too is because I can't just wait for the light to turn green for me. I have to make sure that they're going to stop coming from the other way. You know what I'm saying? So then more and more people do. I see a lot of people texting while they drive. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm going slow enough that I can, I can see these kinds of things. And uh, I, the one that gets my goat is the people that just blow through the school zones with the light flashing. Now, I'm here before that time. But when I, uh, when I do come later, I see that light flashing and they are not paying any attention to that speed limit. I mean, at 25 mile an hour, it's just, it means nothing to them. Uh, and now I've seen them going 40, 45 miles an hour. Now, occasionally I see a policeman pulling them over. But that's not um, that common. What I believe is, is that as a nation, and this is my opinion, obviously, we are growing more self-centered than we have been in the past. And that uh, we're seeing things that are happening. And maybe it's just the news. I don't know if that's it or not. But we're seeing things that are happening that, that are just are appalling to me. I mean... We find that there are more acts of violence, and it's because somebody got upset about something or whatever. And well, I mean, and, and you can, I mean, what we try to do is try to blame it on guns. But there was a guy rented a U-Haul truck and drove into a crowd uh, within the last couple of weeks. You know, so we're, you know, and in England, uh, for a while, London was the murder capital of the world. They have the most, they have one of the strictest gun rules in the world, and and they were stabbing people to death. So that, you know, you can, you, you don't have to be. The gun don't get up and shoot people. The gun doesn't get up and shoot people. But, but well, but I think that people have, they've thought that the world owes them something. And when you have that kind of attitude, then you're going to get pretty bitter at some of the things that happen in the world. That's just, I, what, that's an opinion. Obviously, I, I don't know anything. And so I wonder, 
if there's a correlation between the dropping church attendance and rising violence. Think of that just for a moment. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't. I wish there was a way to measure that, but I don't. I don't know that. Maybe somebody can do that. Uh, and I do not believe, folks, that we can change our society by legislation. I don't think you can make enough laws. I don't think you can hire enough policemen. I don't think that it's possible uh, to to uh, change the culture by legislation. I do not see that that's a, a possibility at all. Maybe some changing in leaders, but I think there has to be a fundamental change in the leaders. You know, you can't have this. You can't have. Yeah, right. You can't have the same. That you don't need to have the same thing coming from a different person. You know what I'm trying to say? You need to be a fundamental change in this. Well, you know, this has got to change. This has got to change. Both of those things, but I think it's here first. I think it's the heart that has to change first. You know, uh, I, I don't think that for most of us, though, that are most people, and me too, uh, we can see our self-centeredness in real time. In other words, when in the middle of being self-centered, we can't see it. We only see it when we get out of it. You know, we're on the other side of it. I was really selfish back then i mean I, that was i don't think we see it at the time that we're in uh now, now i believe that here's the story everybody it was created in god's image i believe that because of that everybody has a, a residual of that image in their lives uh it is that uh, there's a residual amount if, if god is love there's a residual amount of love in everybody's life now i'm not trying to tell you everybody's good that's not where i'm going with this what I'm saying is, is that there is a residual amount of love in those people's lives. And some people have more than others. I'll admit that. Some are going to have more of that still in their lives. But what I'm trying to say here is, is that I don't believe that that amount of love that is left over in their lives is enough to make a change in the society that we've got. First John chapter 4 verse 7 says, Beloved let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God and who and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love God's love is a characteristics of those who've been born of God that is what we know we as uh, children of our parents we inherit the physical traits of our parents you can look at, uh, I mean, look at my dad. In fact, when I was at his funeral, uh, his, uh, my aunt, his sister said, you look just like him. I said, that's the way it works, you know. You know, I looked like my dad. That was the way it said. My dad had dark hair and I had the red hair. But that's, that's the, the way it is. We receive uh, our parents' traits. And if, we, if God is our father, we're going to receive God's traits. Now, that does not mean, as some people are trying to say, that does not mean that we're going to also get to be all-powerful, get to be omniscient, cannot speak things into existence, uh, that, um, but we will have the traits that God has endowed upon us, and love is the foremost of those traits, because we know who God is. We get it from our Heavenly Father. John exhorts us to love one another. Now, encouraging somebody to do something means they must decide to do it. Do you understand? I, I, I can encourage you to do it, but I'm, if I'm encouraging you to do it, you must have the ability to decide to do it. Or else it makes no sense for me to uh, try to encourage you to do it. 
So love must be a decision that even the believers need to make. This new birth of faith is coupled with knowing God. And that word for know is an experiential knowing. It is more than knowing about. I'm afraid that there are a lot of people in the church today, in altars, I mean capital C church here, is that they know about God, but they do not truly know God. They can tell you everything about him. They can tell you about his word. They can tell you every, all 66 books in the Bible. They can tell you, you know, uh, the facts about the, uh, the, in the Bible. They can tell you what God did in certain circumstances, but they do not know God. They are like Elvis fans who can tell you everything about Elvis down to the nth degree, but they have never met Elvis. Just because you know about somebody doesn't mean you know somebody. So, so uh, I believe that there's a large portion of the church that has been born again and knows God, but also is not experiencing him. Their faith is cold as it can be. And there is something that is standing between them and God. And I'm afraid that's self-centeredness. I don't know that's what it is, but I think that is self-centeredness. For God cannot be the, the center of your life if you're standing in the center of your life. you got to realize that. You know, you will not have the deep trait of God's love without knowing Him. That word in verse 8 that is there says knowing Him, it means to know Him completely. Now, God is infinite, and knowing Him completely cannot mean knowing every aspect of God. That's not what it means. You can take that in context and figure that out. It must mean that we know Him deeply then. They know Him deeply. I don't think that a lot of people have truly experienced that. I think they've experienced a religion. I think that they may have had some moment in their life when they walked with God. But when it grows cold and that there's self-centeredness that is there, then what they're going to find is, is that they're not going to have that deep trait of love that should be there. Because you see, a relationship, any relationship you, that you have, has to be maintained. If you don't maintain your relationship, you're going to, it's going to grow cold. And that's why so many men took their wives out last night for Valentine's. They did some maintenance is what they did. <laughs> that's the way that goes. But if, you know, uh, it's no wonder that we have less people attending church if they're unwilling to maintain their relationship with God in the first place. Why should they? Why should they be here? In other words, why should you come to church if you don't have contact with God the rest of the week? If you have nothing to, you know, you don't deal with him for the rest of the week. You know, and, and how can we say that we are loving people when we won't go to the source of love in the first place to be a loving people? You can't, you can't go there. In uh, Dallas, Willard's, Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart, the question is asked, why are Christians so mean if they are mean, I'll tell you, I've seen meanness in churches that I wouldn't see in the business world. I mean, tell you up front, I've seen it happen. But the answer he gave is, is that because too many Christians are focusing on being right and not thinking about being Christ-like. You know, there's a difference between those two. And so they want to be right. And so that this allows them to criticize furiously at those who aren't right. They think, I've got the right to criticize you and tell you how bad you are because I am right. And you know, he has a point. 
He has a point. But I believe that many Christians are not walking with God intimately and they're acting stoically as they tell the truth and they do so much damage in that process. You can really not have godly justice without godly mercy. See, one, they've come together in a package and God gives his mercy. You understand that. He's given mercy to us right now. You understand. And there will be justice that will come. But you cannot have a pure justice and, and understand it to be godly. So love doesn't appear because knowing God intimately has been subjugated for the sake of being right. I want to be right. I want to know what is right and do right. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, And this the love of God was made manifest. Made manifest. Remember that, that word there. Among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Love then, therefore, is not only a decision... What I read here, love is a process in living through Jesus. It is a process. You know, manifest, that word manifest means be made evident. God's love is seen, made evident in his sacrifice and what he did. God's love is seen through the, our living through Jesus. It's through others. People can see what God's love is through us. And God's, seen, God's love is seen in our sacrifices that we make and the service that we give. And this is a process for our fallen nature works against living through Jesus. <laughs> it's a process in which we must make that decision. Not one time, and I'm going to preach on this in, a, in about three months, uh, that when we come to Jesus, we've got to come to him often. We've got to keep coming to him. It's not something we stop doing in this. See, we are not called as believers to live natural lives. We are not to be natural. This is not what we are called to be. We are to be something that is greater than natural, which is that which we have this love that comes from the supernatural himself. We are not merely improvements of the old man that, that we once were. We were, we were. We're not just this guy over here. I've just been improved. I'm the new improved version. It says, we've been made new creations. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, as much as we cannot save ourselves, we can't make ourselves new creations either. It is something that God has done. It is the new thing that God has done in us. The cleansing from our sins is the first step toward loving through Jesus. He became the propitiation for our sins. It means that God's peace was made between us and him and God because our sins were taken from us. Propitiation. We satisfied what God would require to come into his presence. So we stood and we stand in righteousness. We stand in righteousness now because of our commitment of faith in him. And God himself brought, him, brought us to himself. And he did that out of love. Out of love. And so we are to respond to his love with love. Now, heat 
comes in some form of conduction, usually. Now, I know there's microwaves and there's other ways to do it, but I'm just trying to say it. But what you do is, and everybody knows this, I hope, right now, because some of you, you tell me that uh, you can't boil water. You know, you're, you know, you're not that good a cook. But the fact is, is that if you want to boil water, what do you do? You put water in a pot, and then what do you do? You heat the pot, don't you? You don't put the fire in the water. You heat the pot. You heat the pot, and the heat from the, in the pot from the pot goes into the water, right? It's you know it's it's conduction that goes on. You see, our relationship with God conducts His love into our lives. That's how we get the love, and that's why it's a process. Just like that water doesn't heat like that, the, it's a process that happens in our lives. And and you know what? And if we're not revealing God's love, our pot is cold. I can tell you what it is. We're not getting close to him. So 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also, we also ought to love one another. You know, it would be weird to have a boiling pot and cold, uh, I mean, have boiling water in a cold pot. I mean, it can be done. I, I, I can tell you how to do it if you want to know how to do it. But you can do it in a cold pot. Uh, but it's not normal. It's just not normal. It is revealing when a person who claims to know Christ does not display the love of Christ. And that, see, if, if the person is walking closely with the Lord, knowing him deeply, there's going to be a transfer of that love from him to you to others. This is, a very, this is the spiritual way that we should be living our lives. And the walk with the Lord is evident because what we will... It'll be revealed in the way we love people. I mean, people will say there's something different about you. It's a bit, now, our normal way to, to deal with this is we say, you need to love that person. I hear this all the time. You need to just love that person. Well, there is a decision that you need to make. That, there is something there. But that sounds to me like telling the water it needs to heat itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to understand that we're not going to be able to do it without walking closely with God. That's not ever going to happen. We're never going to be able to love like Jesus loved by deciding that we're just going to do it without him. And so we can only go as far as what we have as a supply of love, and that would be the love that you only have what you have right now. You can only go that far. This is all you got. And so... You must realize first, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I cannot do this on my own. I must walk with my Lord if I'm going to have the love that I need to have. I must walk, uh, walk closely with God. And so that the process of love from God becomes my love and I love others. You cannot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You've heard that over and over again. And we can't expect people who do not know the Lord to have the love of the Lord in their lives. And we cannot expect people that are cold in their relationship with the Lord to have the love of the Lord in their lives. For God is made manifest, made evident, when his followers love like he loves. I really believe that's how you change the world. I actually believe that's how revival breaks out. So thank you for joining me tonight. Reaching here.